psychology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's prophecology. Dorothy, I want to say this to you. I want to commend you for taking your father's legacy and modernizing it and taking it to into the next generation. Now, tell them a little bit about what your father has done that probably has given you a lot of your inspiration. Yeah. My daddy. <laughs> First of all, let me start by saying I am president of the Daddy's Girls Club of America, and I'll fight anybody about that. <laughs> I love him. He has been really uh, one of the pioneers uh, of how you uh, mesh uh, faith and activism and not seeing a conflict and not saying, because I'm a preacher, I can't fight for human rights. He's been at the forefront of that, of understanding the tension, because there are some who say, let's change, if we change institutions, then the people will change. And others say, if we change people, then institutions will change. And he has been one that has called for the imperative for the dual thrust. We can do both and we should do both. At the same time, one of his, uh, his very first book, was called Jesus Christ, African in Origin, Revolutionary and Redeeming in Action. Mm. And it talked about the African origins of Jesus Christ, which you know, I don't know if those of you on social know, there's a whole argument raging right now among the, the, new, the newly woke activists who want to talk about Jesus being black. I was like, I was thinking we were talking about that when I was four years old. That's right. So, <laughs> this is not me. And we have to help the newly woke understand that there were things happening before they woke up. That's <laughs> like, right. There was a whole other thing. So if you've been to our church, you know we had the Black Messiah. And so these sorts of conversations and discussions about how we are, how we do the gospel in our communities was something where he was at the forefront and it was quite unusual at the time and when i was a little girl you know and those of you in church you know you do fellowship you know you go to this one's church and you fellowship with that church and you fellowship with the other church we couldn't have there were about three churches we could fellowship with because everybody else said we were crazy we weren't saved we were going to hell we all of this because we believed that people should vote that's right. And they would get on their radio broadcast and tell and tell every the house of the they going straight full of the devil and they going straight there. A matter a, a matter of fact, Bishop I, Leo, I remember as a child, as a little boy, I wasn't even twelve years old, hearing your father on radio, like I think it might be even the WWRL or mm -hmm. those stations in the house of the Lord. And then of course I met um, Bishop Jesse and I went to school to get high school together. Who's now a Bishop in the church. Yes. And 
We used to pray together after school as teenagers at John Dewey High School. Mm -hmm. And I met my wife there and we had a prayer group. Now, but your church, y'all spoke in tongues and did activism at the same time. Yes. Now, talk, let's talk about that for a moment. Has Pentecostals been very absent when it came to activism? That is true, and it is because, and I, I, you know, I wrote my um, in seminary. I wrote my thesis about the politics of Pentecost, and mm -hmm. I contend that it is because the church has separated itself from the roots of Pentecost and why Pentecost came in the first place. When you go to the upper room experience. And that 120, it wasn't 12, it was 120 men and women who were in the upper room together waiting. And that it was, they weren't out in the open, they were hidden away because their faith was a direct uh, challenge to the existing religious systems and to the political system at that time. They wasn't, they didn't have a church or cathedral. They couldn't worship in public. That's right. Lest they be put to death. So as Pentecostalism came to Azusa Street, when God, God sends these waves from time to time, God sends new religious movements when we get too far afield. So when Azusa came, Azusa Street came in 1906, it was time for a new move of God. And look what God did. Azusa Street, black people, white people, men, right. women, all worshiping together in a direct affront to the existing religious systems of Methodism and, and, and all of the isms that were currently, that had been in place that were creating divisions among us. Azusa Street came and tore all of that down. Wow. All of it. And, but, but now then Pentecostalism again began to move back over the years, started in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles swept east, and we, the first uh, incorporated Pentecostal church was, of course, the Church of God in Christ. Yes. And everyone got their licenses through the Church of God in Christ, including the white ministers. That's right. So what happened? The white ministers didn't want to have an ordination certificate signed by a black man. That's right. So they broke off and created their own institutions. Exactly. And having that license was important. Let me tell you why. Because it allowed you to have discounts on the train. Mm. When, you were, when you were riding back and forth, if you had a real ordination certificate, you paid half price. So everybody wanted an ordination certificate, but the Church of God in Christ had the presence of mind to incorporate. So they were the only ones in Pentecostalism who could get you a license. So when white folk got tired and they didn't want a black man's name on their, on their license because racism injected its head, they broke off and created their own assemblies of God. Yes. That's right. And, and Bishop Leodorchi, this is powerful. And we need to understand that when you hear me speak, Bishop E. Bernard Jordan, I am not, some people look at that as a message of I'm preaching black against white. No, I'm preaching black against racism. There's a difference. There's a difference. Black against, racism is an institution. It's an ideology. And um, you mentioned something earlier too Let's talk about the danger of black privilege. What would you say about black privilege, Bishop Daughtry? 
because we all, uh, particularly in America, we all at some level navigate racism in our lives because that's the way of, it's, 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 it's in the bloodstream of America. Yes. And that becomes an overarching concern for us, no matter our economic status. But it is easy for us to forget what, that sometimes we, that some of us do walk in a certain level of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to be conscious of that as the people of God, lest we leave people out, wow. lest we forget the people that we really call to serve that the gospel is for all of us. I use the early example of the internet. I happen to do a a whole lot of work in rural America, Mm. in Appalachia and West Virginia and and on Indian reservations and so forth. And I'm here to tell you, there's a little town I work in in West Virginia and I know when I'm there because my phone goes out. There is no phone service. Now imagine any one of us trying to navigate a life without a phone. Mm. without internet we don't even know what that feels like and that is privilege i'm conscious about it because i know i got my west virginia people and i'm reminded of it all the time that i still have to write letters and put a stamp on them part of the reason the incidence of covid is rising rural america they have to meet they can't get on zoom because there's no internet connectivity so we have to always, while we all have the uniting thing of having to deal with racism, we have to always examine ourselves to say, what is my own privilege? Where is my own privilege? And I know that I bring that lens to the table. And then as the, as the leadership of the church, as the prophets of God, then we've got to call our own selves out and our own people out to say, who's left out? Who's left out? Who's not at the table? Who's not in the room? Who have I not made room for? Not, and most of the time, it's not malicious. We're not doing it because we mean to. But internet is so usual for us. We don't think about brother who just got out and all he got is a flip phone. So he can't come to church because we all on the internet. How are we going to save his soul? Mm. How are we going to get to him when he can't get to us? So we have to, I think, really be the ones in our community that always ask the question, who's not here? Who are we leaving out? Who's not at the table? How do we get them to the table? Because the gospel is for all of us. And we have got to be conduits for ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. My goodness, amen, amen. All right. Um, Let's begin to see. um, Leading from the future concerning election 2020, with this pandemic, what are you foreseeing that is going to be structures or strategies that will possibly take place and you kind of mentioned about the centennial. I mean, I'm very interested in this. Um, talk to us a little bit more about that, because I know that you have a very, very important position, well, for life, but I mean, especially from now until um, November. What should be some of the things the prophet should be doing? And what would you say to the people that are, probably need to begin to look at possibly who's actually running in your area? 
So the first thing I would suggest is you can't preach or advocate for what you don't know. Right. All of us as preachers of the gospel, you got to go to the text. You got to study. You got to get your information. Let's start with basic. Who's running in your area? Who's running? Is it your governor, your senator? Every uh, every two years, a third of the U.S. Senate is up for election. Is your senator up for election? I don't know depending on where you live. It rotates across the United States. So getting smarter, first of all, about who in your area is running and focusing not simply on the president. We all know the president is running. We all know there's these federal elections. Who else? The secret Do you know in, in all states, the secretary of state is who is in charge of the elections in your state? They are the ones that purge the voter rolls. They are the ones that can take people off ballots and put people on ballots. So who's running for secretary of state? Who's running for DA and for prosecutor? Imagine what a difference it would have made in the killing of Mike Brown if the prosecutor had been someone from the community instead of somebody who lived out in the suburbs who never stepped foot over there. These are important offices. Who are the who's running for, in some states? You run for judge in New York. You get to vote for judges. Who are the judges? So that when our children get caught up in a system, who's hearing the cases? Wow. It's the people that we elected, or the people we didn't elect because we didn't vote, or the people we got into into the booth and said, "I don't know who none of these people are." So I'm going to just vote for the first seven, right? So getting smarter about who's running is one. Getting smarter about what the issues are that are on the table. Now, listen, some people are a one, they only care about one thing. They got one thing, and that's the only thing they care about. Other people, in general, Black people tend to be multi-issue voters. We care about a lot of different things. And some things are more important than others. But what are they? What are the things that you care about? What are the things that your community cares about? What will make a difference in the life of the people whom you serve? Is it gentrification and affordable housing? Is it better health care? Is it good schools? Is it a more equitable funding of the school system? In some states, they're changing how schools are funded because, and I don't want to assume everybody knows everything, most school systems are funded by tax dollars of the people who live in the area. So that's why suburban schools who are in suburban suburbs who have high tax bases, that's why they got swimming pools and tennis courts and computer labs. That's right. A lot of people in the hood who are on unemployment or on the system or who don't make a lot of money. There's not enough tax dollars going in. So that's why our kids are 50 in a room with no air conditioning. That's right. Because that's the way the system is. So, what, so there are some, in some states, that's a, that's a valid issue. They say, no, just put all the money in the pot and divide it equally. Some people, obviously, in the suburbs, they don't want it because they like their tennis, they like their tennis courts and their swimming pools and their sports teams, and their golf teams. They like that. And I guess if I was paying for it and I didn't care about nobody else's children, I might be fine with me too. 
But if we care about all the children, then we need something different. So understanding the issues that you care about and where do the candidates line up on those issues. Now, what I always say to voters, and I don't have to tell you this because you are people of God, Jesus is not on the ballot. <laughs> Come on. So if you're looking for a perfect candidate, you will not find him. And even if Jesus was on the ballot, people would have a problem with him too. But there is no candidate that is going to meet 100% of your criteria and of the things you care about. And the only candidate that would is you if you were running, mm. which some of you ought to run. Wow. Run for something, run for school board. Yeah. School board decides what text to you use. Bishop and I have a good friend, Coletta Vaughn in Detroit. Bishop Coletta Vaughn, she just got elected to the school board. And what does it mean to have a Pentecostal bishop on the school board? Doesn't that change things when you got a Pentecostal bishop sitting in the school board meeting? It changes the atmosphere, as you know, from being prophets. You being in a place changes the atmosphere. Ah. Some of y'all ought to run for office. Yes. So understanding who's running, understanding the issues that are on the ballot, and then sizing up the candidates according to who best meets your criteria, that is step one, two, and three of what you got. And it's not that hard. And if you get stuck, there are many organizations who can help you parse through issues and figure out where you need to be and what makes the most sense for you. Right. Including Black Church Pack, blackchurchpack.org. Black okay, where can people find you, um, Bishop Leah Dortry? And um, we want people to be able to know where to connect with you. Yes, you can go on my website, leahdaughtry.com. Uh, the church's website is holc.org, holc.org. And again, my own website is leahdaughtry.com. I'm on all the social media stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know. Those are the three I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on all of those. You can find me on Wednesdays. I do a Wednesday uh, midday meditation, 12 o'clock noon on Facebook Live. It's oh. called The Wednesday Word, where we do uh, a 20-minute meditation in the middle of the day, midweek, midday meditation moment to help folks get centered around the word of God and to encourage you for the rest of your week. And that's, that's some of the ways you can find me. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, and if you want to send me an email, uh, the, the proper email is requests with an S on the end requests at on these things.com. Like the scripture says, think on these things. Yeah. That's the name of my business on these things. So if you can send a note to requests, with an S on the end at onthesethings.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Now, uh, if the people would like to be a blessing to you, we're gonna be a blessing to you from oh, this Tropicology. But yes. if people would like to personally be a blessing to you, because we, we really want to drive support of mm -hmm. us as a people, because the dollar only circulates in our community zero to one times in the community, whereby in the Hispanic community, it's at least six times circulates before it leaves. The Asian, I think, is like 19 times, something wow. ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a lot. 
white to like 31 plus time, but it stays in the black community only for six hours, according to some of the study. Um, several days for the Hispanic, like about two or three weeks, I think, for the Asian, but unlimited amount of times in the white community. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophetology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed.